series entitled, When Heaven Meets Earth. When Heaven Meets Earth. And the, really, uh, the purpose of this series is to show us how God so longs for us to experience His working in our lives. We began by pointing out the loss of heaven on earth, which happened when Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord's commands. But then we noted last week that Jesus, He came to bring heaven to earth. And today we're going to focus on a principle, a key that I believe if you and I will embrace it, it will unleash, it will unleash heaven upon our lives. In fact, if you and I will live by this principle, we will experience more and more of God encounters. How many of you would like a God encounter? How many of you would like to experience heaven on earth? Then today we're going to learn how that can happen. Now, there is a story about a farmer who wanted to sell his mule so much that he put, it, put an ad in the local newspaper. One day, a man from another community came to the farm. The two farmers got talking, and eventually they got around talking about the mule. The farmer who wanted to buy the mule asked if the mule was a good worker. The reply was that the mule did a day's work. The next question that was asked is if the mule obeyed every command. The owner said yes. The farmer asked if they could hitch the mule up to see how he worked. The owner said no problem. They got the mule into his harness and the farmer took the reins and told the mule, giddy up. The mule just stood there. The farmer tried a couple more times and still the mule didn't move. He looked at the owner and said, I thought you told me this mule obeys. He does, said the owner, who then picked up a two-by-four and walked right in front where he would be facing the mule. He then hit the mule as hard as he could with that two-by-four. Then he walked back and said to the farmer, try again. The farmer did, and the mule obeyed. The owner said, this mule always obeys, but first you have to get his attention. <laughs> now, how many of you would say, you know what, sometimes I could be as stubborn as a mule? Now, I see a few heads nodding, but most of you are like trying to act like you're all holy and stuff. <laughs> but, but we know you. We know you. <laughs> now, the reason why I tell that story is because it contains a key or the key for you and I to experience God's working in our lives from his guidance to his power and presence in operation in our lives. In fact, the psalmist David said this in Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. In the New Living Translation, Psalm 32, 8 and 9 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Then he says, do not be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. You see, what the Lord is saying, I promise to give you the guidance that you need and the guidance that will lead you to the best pathway for your life. But in order for that to happen, you've got to make up your mind not to be like the senseless horse and mule. In other words, learn to be receptive. Learn to be responsive. That when God gives a directive, your heart says, yes, Lord, 
I'm ready to follow you. Because here's what I've learned in life. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So what are you saying, Pastor? Obedience brings heaven to earth. Obedience brings heaven to earth. Joseph and Mary are pivotal to the arrival of Jesus on earth. Mary provided a temporary home for Jesus in her womb. And Joseph provided safety and stability to the family. The common thread that holds the parents of Jesus is their unequivocal obedience to God. They didn't ask questions of the angel who appeared to them. They didn't operate with doubt. They accepted their mission and walked it out in simple obedience. These situations were less than ideal. Think about it. An unwed mother who is told she will get pregnant because of the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. An engaged man asked to marry a pregnant fiancé and was directed by dreams to move from city to city to protect a child who wasn't biologically his. In the midst of a disrupted life, they chose to obey God again and again. And here's a fact. In our lives, God will ask us, to do certain things, go certain places, even say certain words and live a certain way in order to bring Him glory and make us a blessing to many. But if our senses are not tuned in to His voice, His leading, and His presence, will then we will go off track and we will be off mission. What we learn through Joseph and Mary is for us to experience a God encounter, for us to experience what it's like to be in participation with His power at work, so much so that you see the extraordinary happen in your ordinary life, requires obedience. Obedience. I like what Eric Little stated. Eric Little stated, One word stands out from all others as the key to knowing God, to having His peace and assurance in your life. It is obedience. Obedience. So let's look at Joseph and Mary and how obedience played a pivotal part in them experiencing the supernatural God working in their natural lives. First, let's look at Joseph's obedience. There are several passages in Matthew's Gospel that speak of Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. Matthew 1, 19 through 23. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a what? In a dream. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, 
the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. What I want you to notice is the reason why Joseph was chosen to experience a God encounter and to become a vessel through which God could work out the unfolding of his purpose. It's the Bible identifies him as a just man or another version says a righteous man, meaning that he was committed in his life to live according to the standards and norms set by God. His heart was set to live by the standards and norms set by God. He was a just man, a righteous man. Listen, when you and I make up our minds, we are going to go with God. We're going to follow His way. Then we are positioning ourselves to experience a God encounter and then to experience what it is to be in partnership with God to such a degree that His power and presence are active in our lives, leading to the unfolding of His purpose and promises in our lives. Who wants that in your life today? Obedience is the key. Now watch this. In the second chapter of Matthew, we read in verses 13 through 15, Matthew 2, 13 through 15 says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a what? In a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt, I called my son. And then in that same second chapter of Matthew, verses 19 through 23, we read, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a what? Dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a what? In a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. I want you to notice a common denominator that is discovered in these passages regarding these dreams. There is a a pastor who has gone on to be with the Lord. His name is David Youngie Cho. He made this statement. Visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. Visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Peter in his prophetic declaration said that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, quoting Joel, and saying that your old men would dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Speaking of the activity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks through dreams and visions, but understand. Notice in each of these passages that dreams were connected to the fulfillment of what God had spoken through his prophets, through his word. So if a dream is from God, listen to me, it's always going to be in conformity to God's word. If that dream that you had doesn't line up with God's word, let me tell you plain and simple, it isn't a God dream. It might be self-inspired, it might be satanically inspired, but it's not a God dream. God dreams are in conformity 
authority to God's word and for God to get the glory as his word is fulfilled as you are living out the dream he's given you that is in line with his word. And here's what we learn through Joseph's obedience. There's several lessons we learn. The first is this. I love this. An act of obedience led to another act of God. An act of obedience led to another act of God. What do you mean, Pastor? Every time that Joseph obeyed what God directed him to do, it set him up to experience another God dream, another God encounter, another supernatural visitation from God. Listen to me. When you obey God, you are not going to end up with the short end of the stick. In fact, you're going to end up with the hand of God working more powerfully and consistently in your life. The devil is a liar. He wants you to think that to obey God is to cut yourself short from fullness of life. He's a liar. Jesus said it's the devil who's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life and life more abundantly. How do I experience that fullness of life? You follow where he leads and you will discover his power and presence fulfilling in you not only his purpose but his promises in your life. An act of obedience led to another act of God. There's some people, well, I haven't seen God work in my life lately. Have you been obeying Him lately? Well, uh, I, I, I thought what I did last time was good enough. No, no, it's a, it's a walk. You don't stay stuck and satisfied. Well, I obeyed Him then. You obey him every time he directs you. And every time he directs you and you obey him, you're positioning yourself to experience another act of God. Notice, both studying the Old Testament and the New Testament, that most of the miracles were performed not just because God's power was demonstrated, but because somebody on earth obeyed what he directed them to do. God says, you do what I tell you to do and then step aside so that I can show up and do what only I can do. Miracles happen for those who have a made up mind. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand how it's going to happen. But if God said to march around a wall for seven days, I'm going to do it. And I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm just going to obey what he tells me. If God says to put a stick over the Red Sea, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. If God says, roll away the stone where there's been a man dead for four days because he's a resurrection. I'm just going to do it. And then what happens is you discover God's not calling you to do what only he can do. He's calling you to do the ordinary so that he can step in and do the extraordinary. You do the natural and he will do the supernatural. Watch this. Another lesson that we learned through Joseph. God doesn't guide you part of the way or even halfway. He guides you all the way. God doesn't guide you part of the way or halfway. He's committed to guide you all the way. In other words, God will never leave you in the dark. God's not like, okay, I brought you here. Now you figure how to make it the rest of the way. No, that's not God. He's committed to fulfill what he's promised you. But at the same time, he's committed to walk with you. 
the journey, through the process. There's a promise God gave to Jacob in Genesis 28:15, And it's a promise that you and I can claim too because of what Jesus told his disciples before he returned to heaven. In Genesis 28:15, God told Jacob, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God was saying to Jacob, I called you, I gave you promises, and some of them are still unfulfilled, but I want you to know I'm not going to leave you until every one of those promises is fulfilled. And what did Jesus say as he was getting ready to return to heaven and he was sending out his disciples on a great commission, on a mission for God? What did he tell them? He said, and look, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So I've got good news is if you're a child of God, you're never going to be in the dark and you're never going to be alone. God is going to be with you. You're going to see his promises fulfilled. That doesn't mean you're not going to face problems. You're not going to face trials. You're not going to face tribulation. I'm not going to sugarcoat this thing. I'm going to tell you that your obedience to God will be attacked by the devil. The devil's going to try everything to make you feel like you're obeying God is leading to nothing, but you hang in there because you're not alone. Jesus is with you. He's going to help you. He's going to empower you. He's equipping you. He's walking with you. And you're going to make it through. Woo! I know it's Christmas time and we're supposed to come up here and be very cheery. But you know, Pastor, already, I'm, I'm going to preach it no matter what season it is. Now, Pastor, don't play, huh? I'm not a player like that. Nuh-uh. Now, so Joseph's obedience. Now, let's look at Mary's obedience. Mary's obedience. In Luke's gospel, I love this, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It says, Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, watch this, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found what? Favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, watch this, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called, notice, barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now, notice twice in this passage, it says that Mary was favored. Mary was favored. Guess what? Ephesians 1.6 says that you and I are favored. 
Because of God's grace, we have the favor of God. You see, the reason why Mary was blessed was because she was favored by God. If you're a child of God, you're blessed because of God's favor. Now, some of us know we're at where we're at in life, not because we're the smartest or the strongest. Not because we know how to work the system. No, we know it's been God's favor. It's his hand. And here's what I've discovered. When the favor of God is on your life, it doesn't matter if you don't feel most qualified. If God's hand is on you and he says, daughter, son, I'm taking you there. You're going to get there. Regardless of someone stronger, wiser, and more talented than you are. Because as has been noted, favor ain't fair. And here's what you got to know, that when you've got the favor of God on your life, people are going to be talking about you. Well, I don't know why they got that position. I'm more qualified than them. I don't know why they got that position. They must be scheming. Uh, but you don't have to talk back to your haters. You simply walk with your head up high, just knowing that favor ain't fair. <laughs> favor ain't when God's hand is on you. It doesn't matter who is against you. God's going to do what he promised he was going to do in your life. Even when it seems like everybody else is against what he promised he would do in your life. Favor. Ah. And what do we learn? When she was given this mission, this opportunity, what does she say? What was her response? She said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. And then she said, Let it be to me according to your word. What do we see here? Both submission and an invitation. Watch this. Submission and invitation. Open the door for God's intervention. Submission. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, she said. She's submitting. She says, I'm willing. I'm here. I'm at your disposal. I'm your servant. I'm here to fulfill what you want to accomplish in my life. And then she said, be it, be it according to your word. Be it in me according to your word. She is inviting the Lord to fulfill his word in her life. I dare you. In fact, I double dog dare you to start praying big prayers. Quit praying those little prayers at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No. Start praying, God, if you said it, I want you to do above, beyond, exceedingly more all that you can do. Here I am, Lord. I invite you to fulfill what you promised you wanted to do in my life. Because God's favor gives you an assigned advantage. God's favor gives you an assigned advantage. And how is this miracle going to happen? The angel tells her, the power of the Most High is going to come upon you and it's going to overshadow you. Ooh, don't miss that. Overshadow. Ooh, overshadow. The word, watch this. The word overshadow means to cover with a cloud. To cover with a cloud. 
It's referring to the Shekinah glory of God. The cloud of God's presence that would descend upon Moses' tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. That part of the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was, where, where, where the beaten out of, made beaten and hammered out by, of gold, uh, cherubims were at. And in the middle was the mercy seat and God's presence would come in a tangible way like a cloud and sit upon that seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And it meant God's power and presence was among His people. But watch this. This shame, this same cloud showed up in Matthew 17 and in Luke 9 on what's been called the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus' glory shone out of him so much so that even his clothes were white like as nothing else as could be. He was shining splendidly, gloriously and then the Bible says that there was a cloud there and a voice said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. God's glory showed. So you know what, what Mary was experiencing was the invitation to experience the same power and presence that traveled with God's people in the wilderness. The cloud that protected them from the element of the sun during the day. That same cloud that guided them through danger throughout their wilderness journey. The the angels say, the power of God is coming upon your life to overshadow you as His cloud, His presence, His power is coming to work in you as it did with the old covenant people. And I want to say to you today that if you're a child of God, you You have the cloud of God in your life because of Jesus. You are not left in the dark, but instead you are covered. You are overshadowed through the presence of God. His power and presence is with you. I want to say to you today that no matter what danger you're in, if you're a child of God, the cloud on you guarantees you're going to make it through. Through many trials, trials and troubles, I've come through because of the cloud of God on my life. Woo! The cloud, it was a visible manifestation of the glory and presence of God. That same power that was with Moses, that same power that manifested on the mountain when, when, when Moses and, and Elijah appeared with Jesus and Jesus in her circle, Peter, James, and John were able to behold it. That same cloud is here. Now watch this. And then the angel said something. He said a, a verse that is often quoted, Luke one thirty-seven, for with God... Nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing, say nothing. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. That's deep, isn't it? Means no thing. Nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. There's a commentator by the name of Pate, P-A-T-E. Pate points out the words for nothing literally No word will be impossible for God. Recall the divine promise of a son addressed to Sarah, Genesis 18, 14. And in so doing, provide another confirming example of God's ability to carry out his promise to Mary. What did God say to Sarah, who was barren, unable to give birth to a child, to conceive? Look at Genesis 18, 14. Look at what it says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Then God said this, At the appointed time I had, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's going to return when she's 90. And Moses, 100. And he says, Your wife's going to conceive. He says to a 90-year-old woman, 
get ready. You're about to have a baby. And then that same angel shows up to what scholars, many scholars believe, was a 12 to 14-year-old girl by the name of Mary and says, you're it. You're going to bear the Son of God. What's the point, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. In any age, in any era, and for anybody of any age, God can fulfill what he has promised. Don't miss this. It's not about your qualifications. It's about his power and presence and your willingness to participate with him. When you give him your yes, you better get ready. Because you may feel like I don't have what it takes, but that's not the issue. If you have him, you have everything. His power and presence will compensate for your deficiencies. His power and presence will make up for your lack of. His power and presence will fulfill through you what he has promised to do. It doesn't matter. What are you saying, Pastor? You're not too young and you're not too old. If God gives you a promise and if God gives you a dream, then just hook up with God because with God all things are possible. You need to know this today with God all things are possible so adopt Mary's attitude adopt Mary's attitude submit your plans and future to God's will the writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 16 3 commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed commit your actions to the Lord the word commit there it's, it's from a Hebrew word that describes a camel getting down on its knees, a loaded camel, and then tilting so that what's on its back, the load that it's bearing, can be rolled off. And so it's saying, roll off your actions to the Lord. In other words, make sure that you're willing to surrender to God what you will to do. Because once you do that, you position yourself to experience your plan succeeding. Why? Because when you roll them over to God, you're saying, God, in your sovereignty, you you direct in your sovereignty. You dispose. You remove what's not of you. And then fulfill what is of you in my life. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers for a prayer breakfast. One of the ministers said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. Lincoln's response showed far greater insight. He said, no, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. And that's what Mary was saying to the angel. I am the Lord's made servant. I'm here so that his bidding can be fulfilled in my life. Now, look at Jesus. What was his ultimate aim? What was his supreme devotion? To obey the Father. He set the example. And successful Christian living is a result of seeking and knowing God's will and then doing it. The African Impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. Yet, these magnificent creatures can be kept 
in an enclosure in any zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall or land. What is faith? Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that fear will try to use to disempower us from fulfilling what God wants to happen in our lives. Let me wrap this message up with the words from Pastor Greg Laurie. He points out, there are a lot of people who say they admire Jesus. However, Jesus did not say, admire me. He said, follow me. Follow me. Jesus said he was the only way to God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. I'm challenging us today to give God our yes, to choose to walk in obedience, because when we do so, we position ourselves to experience His power and presence operating supernaturally in our lives. Today, I am encouraging you to give God your yes. Don't let fear or doubt or your sense of inadequacy or your feeling that I'm not qualified enough keep you from following where God wants to lead you. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose to serve God. Choose life. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your presence and your power in this place. And I thank you, Father, for what you're doing by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're here right now to overshadow. You're here to cover with your presence and power those that are willing to give you their yes. Those that are willing to say, God, I don't understand how it's going to happen. But if you're saying that that's, where you want to do, that's what you want to do in my life, I give you my yes. I don't understand the process, but I'm going to trust your person. Because your name is faithful. Your name is true. Jesus, I'm going to do more than admire you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk where you lead. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 119, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 119 said, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I'm asking you today, To make the choice to be willing to obey God. The Bible says if you will, you will eat the good of the land. You will experience possessing His promise. You will experience the realization of His promise in your life. Today's your day to give God your yes. There's some of you that God's been speaking to about doing a work that you don't feel qualified for. I want to encourage you to give Him your yes. There's others of you that you say, I know God's called me. I know 
is something more that He wants to do in me. I've been stirred. I've been being stirred in my spirit. I've been just dreaming. I've been envisioning. I've been in my heart. There's been these stirrings going on where I sense something greater that God wants to do. But truth is, I don't know how. And you're like Mary today. You're like, how can this be? How can this happen? And God is saying to you, son, daughter, let me take care of the how. You give me your yes. You give me your yes. And I'll take care of the process. And I'll guide you every step of the way on a process that will lead to progress. I will lead you to life and life more abundantly. I'm going to move you from ordinary to extraordinary, from just experiencing natural to supernatural. (laughs) Oh, yes. Just give me your yes. You say, Pastor, I'm ready. I want you to come forward to this front area. We call it the altar. I want to give God my yes. Even though I don't know how it's going to unfold, I'm giving Him my yes. You come. You come. And He's going to come over you by His Spirit right now. He's going to come and move. He's here right now. You ready? You ready? You come. Come on. You come. Give him your yes. Give him your yes. Give him your yes. Give him your yes. Lord, here I am. As our PW sings, I want you to just come and give him your yes. Those of you that you know, God's been stirring you for more. There's been a sense in you. I was made for more. There's been a burning in you. I want to break through to the extraordinary. You come. Yeah, come. PW, go ahead. We're going to pray. We're going to pray.